The Great Mouse Detective, 1986. Disney's second entry in the Mouse movie canon is the directorial debut of John Musker and Ron Clements, alongside Dave Mickner and Bernie Mattinson. Musker and Clements will go on to direct many important films for the studio, and their instincts to structure stories through visual action, visual storytelling, and character moments are on display in a fledgling form in Mouse Detective, an adaptation of the Basil of Baker Street books that depict a mouse equivalent of Sherlock Holmes. Mouse Detective was given a tighter budget and shorter schedule and comes in at 77 minutes, demonstrating an economical and effective storytelling that quickly surpasses the past 25 years of the studio's output. As soon as the picture begins, characters with an ample visual personality, control scenes, and the usage of the small scale is far more creative than the rescuers a decade earlier. The film opens on the instigating crime. A bat with a peg leg kidnaps a mouse toymaker who manages to protect his daughter, Olivia Flaversham. She wanders the streets and runs into Dawson, a military mouse that has just returned to London and agrees to take her to see Basil, a detective who she thinks can find and save her father. Olivia's childish optimism is already a great match for Dawson's gawkish demeanor, but the introduction to Basil is what sets the film up for greatness. They enter his home as he rambles about his current investigation, performing tests and mostly ignoring his guests, as he stacks pillows and shoots a gun through them to test if the bullet matches another. Dawson and Olivia, despite being ignored, get caught up in the infectious energy and charm, until finally the tests fail and Basil flips into a dejected state, vital not only as characterization as a know-it-all with an inflated sense of purpose that is easy to deflate, but also to mirror the final acts of the film. Basil rejects Olivia offhand, but with her persistence she mentions the bat with a peg leg, and Basil realizes this could lead him to his rival, Professor Radigan, so he takes the case for his own needs, continuing to disregard her. The frame pans to a painting of Radigan that Basil keeps in his home, and it fades into the villain's character introduction. He is forcing Olivia's father to create a robot, and after giving him further ultimatums for if he fails, Radigan exits and regales his minions with a song that both entertains and explains everything the audience needs to know. The character introduction song, like the I Want song, is a tool that is vital to Disney Renaissance pictures, especially once Howard Ashman begins writing lyrics and leaves an incredibly lasting impression on the studio. Radigan's tall stature, broad shoulders, malleable face, and large mouth feel incredibly influenced by the Don Bluth style that the studio briefly housed, but his incredible villain persona is completed by the vocal performance of Vincent Price, perfectly balancing the self-hating and genuine menace underneath this primarily comedic foil to Basil. His capability for evil is also clear from his quickness to have a follower of his fed to a cat if they refer to him as a rat and not a mouse, a point he is extremely sensitive about. He reveals his plan to rule all of Mouse society by overthrowing the Mouse Queen, and by the end of the film the audience sees him attempt to do so by replacing her with a robotic double that will give him a prestigious position in the Mouse government. After these economical establishing scenes, Basil is on the case as the film mirrors a simplified Sherlock Holmes story pared down to a few adequately fleshed out locations and set pieces. A tightened budget and turnaround time led to four directors managing the unfortunately crunched production. The result is a film with little time wasted and clear focus on the scenes that are included, which leads to similar unfortunate working conditions under Katzenberg. Basil's trail takes him to a toy shop where the bat, Fidget, is collecting soldier uniforms fitting the size of the film's cast. The action here creatively uses the setting and builds multiple sequences around toys being used against Basil and Dawson, but with a controlled sense of place that has been missing from Reitherman's action sequences. Fidget escapes the toy shop after successfully kidnapping Olivia, but leaves behind an incriminating to-do list that Basil uses to track him to the docks where he and Dawson enter a bar disguised as sailors. During a fun but superfluous musical number on the bar stage, Dawson is drugged and the two are caught in an absurd trap of Radigan's design, set to kill him once his song, Goodbye So Soon, stops spinning on a record player nearby. Basil again plummets to feeling like a failure and accepts this defeat, but Dawson snaps him out of it, 
causing Basil to realize a way to use the momentum of the Rube Goldberg contraption in their favor. The audience then sees Radigan's plan unfold as the queen is kidnapped and replaced, but as the robot is bestowing him a new title, Basil swings in and stops it, revealing him as a fraud and chasing him to Big Ben on a small flying craft. The fight that the two have inside and on the clock tower is compelling as Basil is clearly outmatched physically and must use the environment to survive, creating visual tension and creative solutions on screen. The gears inside the clock are the first instance of the studio utilizing computer graphics and animation, printing out frames of early CGI to trace onto cells like rotoscoping. Outside on the clock hands, Basil lasts until the hour hand shifts and the loud bell causes Radigan and Basil to fall, but Basil recovers with the flying device Radigan flew in on. Olivia returns home with her father, and the film concludes with Basil taking up another job and announcing Dawson as his companion, to Dawson's surprise and delight, demonstrating that while Basil still has trouble communicating what he wants, this is growth from the beginning of the film. Mouse Detective is a far stretch from a masterpiece of animation, but its charm, relative success, and consistency is astounding compared to the previous few decades from Disney. Musker and Clements will return and usher the studio into what is now called the Renaissance with The Little Mermaid, demonstrating things learned in Mouse Detective at a remarkable new high watermark. Before then, however, Disney releases a film that undoubtedly has Eisner's and Katzenberg's names written all over it, as one final lackluster venture before the studio, temporarily, has a winning streak again. Next up, Oliver and Company, 1988. Please go to ghostofjoe.com to see all these essays, you can also find a link to this one directly in the show notes of this upload, and there you will find in-text citations and works cited, and share it with anyone who you think cares a lot about Disney animation. You can also find myself on Twitter at Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J-O. The music used in this audio version is from The Skeleton Dance, a Disney Silly Symphony short. Thank you for listening and reading.